Blog Talk Radio. So it's faith-based. So you're involved with faithism, not atheism, right? It was that you said, saying that you know, a lot of Christians, um, they maybe text or they maybe email you, and you know they was pretty much scared of you. And I said, oh, okay, a challenge, okay. No, I believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible saying that slavery is okay because it gives instructions about how to handle slavery. Andrew, that's faith. You just said you accept evolution, evolution theory. So that's faith. You got faith in a theory. By any chance, are you gay? Uh, what do you think about Baltos? Thank you all for joining me here again on the Atheist Roundtable. If you're a fan of this show, then you already know who Craig Wells is. And if you're just joining for the first time, and you've never heard of Craig Wells, then you need to know who Craig Wells is, because he's freaking awesome, man. He's freaking awesome. And it's not just Craig who's awesome, but it's his book that is amazing, right? We, as atheists, have all read the Bible. Hell, half the time, it's the reason we're atheists. And wouldn't it be nice if there was a version of the Bible, of the actual Bible, that was just a bit easier to read? I think it would be. That's why Craig's here. He's the author of the Blasphemous Bible. It's line for line, the King James Bible, but in a way that's going to just refresh your heathen lack of soul. It's awesome. Welcome back to the show, Craig. I'll finish the back. So, last time we kind of talked a little bit about, about the book, but let's let's go back. Let's start at the beginning. So, some you want to rewrite a book. I get it. All right, remakes are the thing of 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 the era. Right? We all love a good remake. Uh, when we think of a remake, we often don't think of the Bible. Why pick the Bible to be remade? Well, for one, it needs to be done now, doesn't it? It is deserving of a redo, I think, yeah. yes. And not just it, because the Bible has been redone many times. Mm. It needs a sarcastic review, a satirical review, not one that is meant for people to, you know, read the good bits and believe all the bullshit and start a new religion over it. No. No, that's been done too many times. My version is to steer people away from their religion. To get some questioning, hey, according to Craig's book, there's people getting pregnant to eat their babies. I wonder if that's in the real Bible. Holy crap it is. (laughs) I wonder what else is in the Bible that my minister or pastor or local clerical propagandist isn't telling me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right? Because we all know that uh, your average Christian, your average believer, is shocked, shocked to learn about these horrible things in the Bible. You say things like uh, uh, there's babies being bashed against the rocks in the Bible. They look at you like, man, that ain't in my Bible. No, no, it's in there. No, you missed that version. Every version. Exactly. Exactly. your version highlights those things, right? Yes. 
when when I was a believer, I'd read the Bible. My eyes would like skip over these parts, right? Like my brain would shut off for a verse or two as I'm reading this. And your version says, hey, hey, wake up. Did you catch that? Did you just catch that? Did you just hear what you just read? And that's what I love about it, right? It's it, it, it's not that uh, it, it's it's not like the skeptics annotated Bible, where off to the side there's a note and isn't this part silly? No, it's in the text now as you read, and it's there to say, hey, did you pay attention to what you just read? Because that's the kind of stuff that people talk about when they say that the Bible is no good. That is very true. Yes. You're going through the Bible, uh, and I guess did did you just start with did you start with Genesis? Did you did you did you go, jump around? Did you find the juicy bits? Right, there are some juicy bits. <laughs> Actually, the entire Bible, once you get past the first five books, mm. is really juicy. It's just boringly poorly written. <laughs> I remember, I, I think it was Ezekiel, but it might have been Elijah or Elisha, one of the old prophets. God teaches him necromatic magic to raise an army of his fallen enemies, pretty much an army of zombies. And then the next chapter neglects to mention what happened to it. <laughs> what was done to it. Army of undead fallen enemies. And they don't even bother to mention did they even fight in a battle. W were there things as you were going through the Bible that, that surprised you, right? Were there things that you were like, wow, that's there. Huh. Well, you got to understand, I grew up in a very strict religious household as well, and... Because I was some, I was that weird kid who was reading like War and Peace in the second grade. That does make you weird. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> I read the Bible when I was maybe oh, it was before I was a type one diabetic, around eight to nine, and I picked up on these uh, little lot of bits where it's you know not exactly that pleasant, and I'd go to my pastor and try to get him to explain and first off he'd deny it and then when I would point it out in the text it was always um, or you're taking it out of context and the one I specifically remember there's a common curse throughout the Old Testament that pretty much God will curse the people with a famine so great that mothers eat their children, fathers will eat their sons sons will eat their fathers Women will get pregnant to eat their own babies. And in Second Kings, I think, chapter 5, it might be 6, it happens. And I remember bringing this really juicy little tidbit of information. There's people eating their own babies in the Old Testament. And the pastor kind of just goes, um, um, uh, I'll look into it, but you're taking it out of context. Hmm. Yeah, it's very hard to kind of take that out of context. Uh, I, I'm not sure there's a context in which eating your babies is not a horrific scene, right? Well, it was quite common. 
if you read the Bible, cannibalism actually was a um, common during after God cursed the Israelites for a petty reason, by the way. But, for example, when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon pretty much laid siege to Jerusalem, dove feces was retailing as a high-priced snack as much people were starving. And someone died, usually of natural causes. Sometimes I can't help but wonder if there were just mobs roaming the street, kind of like in The Walking Dead. <laughs> Cannibalism was happening. When you're starving and, you know, God has abandoned you, you know, morality kind of gets thrown out the window. Mm. And there were people, there were people eating leather, there were people eating pets, there were people eating other people. And it was a common thing in the Old Testament, you just kind of have to uh, dig a little. That that God in the Old Testament was uh, just not very friendly. Um, well, there was, you know why he did it? You know the reason why God cursed his chosen people to damnation? There's a reason for it. I, I'm going to say they were naughty and had other gods. No. God cursed them to be naughty and have other gods, but God cursed them to do that as kind of the uh, scapegoat reason to abandon them. No, there actually is a reason. A reason God, for lack of a better term, tricked his people to follow other gods and that way he can abandon them. Lay it on me. Solomon house had more blings in the temple of the Lord. I get you. Yes. 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 Because God is a jealous God, and if God sees that there's another God who has a bigger button that works, right, that will make God very, yeah. very envious. Very, yes. And God... God has to have all the best bling, and if you have more bling, he is going to be very, um, petty and envious. And you will think, considering Solomon was considered the wisest of them all, in fact, he was blessed by wisdom by God, you'd think he'd have the common sense to realize, you know, when I build my own house, I better not try and outdo God's house. Otherwise, bad things may happen. And God even tells him. It can be nice, but not as nice as mine. No. Nothing can be as nice as his. Why do you think it took the Israelites 40 years to wander in the desert? They weren't wandering. They were building the uh, Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle and all this just loads and loads of just absolute crap for the glory of Almighty. Everything being inlaid with gold and precious gems. It took them 40 years to build this. It didn't take them 40 years to go from Egypt to the Promised Land. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense, right? You, you, you couldn't no. possibly be lost for that long. No. So, was there a part of the Bible that was hard to rewrite, or a part of the Bible that was easy to rewrite? Well, pretty much any part where it goes, and they begot this, who begot that, begot that, that 
In fact, I think that happens a lot in Genesis, which is a shame because Genesis is actually rather entertaining, say for those bits. But I remember for a, there's a part where I just, you know, got so fed up with having to try and make these things entertaining. And I think it went to the, it got to the um, generations of Esau. And uh, that entire chapter, this is the generation of Esau. Nobody cares. Moving on. <laughs> oh, so true. It, it it's really so true. It, even when you hear uh, shows read the Bible, when they get to the begats, they just skip it. Nobody pays attention to that. Well, the thing is, according to the Old Testament, it's actually sinful to to, to skip the begats. No, to have the begats, it's a um, source of pride. Mmm, I see. You're right. You're rewriting the Bible. At some point, right? Uh, the Bible is a bit repetitive. You don't say. <laughs> it's not just the four Gospels that repeat the same doggone story. No, there's First Samuel, First Second Samuel, and then it's repeated in First and Second Kings, and then there's Chronicles, which lists. Lists everything all over again immediately after finishing it. Yep. <laughs> and all of it's just different, too. <laughs> uh, so, how do you uh, make these repetitive tales interesting in all iterations? Satire just kind of comes naturally to me. I've always had a warped, dark humor. So having to rewrite them and then rewrite them again, but, you know, with little bits of things different, like um, did Saul kill himself by falling on his sword or did his armor bearer kill him? You know, rewriting it again, considering the in Second Chronicles it's mostly tidbits, that's honestly not that bad a chore. Reading it is, rewriting not so much. What was your favorite part to rewrite? <laughs> Ooh, Job. <laughs> Job. Oh, you do have a dark sense of humor, sir. <laughs> yes, yes. Because there is a point in Job where I just, I had this idea of where God tries to explain himself, mm. why he is the way he is. And I had this kind of story envisioned behind it, which is try to um, make God seem a little bit like an innocent child. A child finds a spider out in the field and the child starts plucking off the spider's legs. Torturous to the child torturous to the spider but the child doesn't know any better. The child just thinks it's having fun. And God tries to explain that he is the child and humanity is a spider. And the devil just tears into him saying the child grows up to realize the spider feels pain and stops doing what they do when they're a dumb, ignorant kid. The difference between the child and you 
if a child grows up and you haven't. And I had that entire thing just wrapped around Job. And the fact that, let's be honest, it's a bet between the devil and God. Mm. And Satan actually won the bet, but didn't get the reward. Well, when you're betting with a dirty player like God, you can kind of see that coming. Yeah. I, I, I've read your the, the, the Blasphemous Bible Facebook page has bits and pieces of it, right? What you learn when you rewrite the Bible, oh, they are awesome. Uh, every time there's a new thing, you think you know the Bible, right? But uh, every time there's a new thing, there's just a new clip. It's it's awesome. I love following your page for that. <laughs> Thank you. I understand that this book is now available for pre-order, so you need to tell everyone all about that. Well, we made the announcement this last Friday. It is available on my publisher's website, Athos Publishing. Free shipping. I believe the final price is $34.99. And I didn't even see it coming. I saw it was still going to be a while for this book to come out. But no, it's available for pre-order now, and it will be on shelves on Amazon, Kohl's, Chapters Indigo, Barnes & Noble, by the beginning of May. Hmm. Oh. If you, if you pre-order, you'll have your hands on a physical version, if not by May, possibly sooner. I can't wait to go into my Barnes & Noble and just take a picture of that beautiful book on the shelf. <laughs> That's that I I can't wait. That's going to be fun. Uh, so of course I'm going to have links to where you can go to pre-order Craig's book uh, in the show notes for for this episode. But I want you more than that to go and find the Blasphemous Bible's Facebook fan page. Right, the face the the Facebook group for the Blasphemous Bible. There'll be links there too, and. Not only that, but you're going to be able to get uh, you, you're going to be able to see all of the other fun stuff that happens with this book. Do we do we think that we might be? Uh, is this? Did you say that this is going to be available on Amazon? Yes. Oh man, I can't wait to see the reviews on Amazon. That's going to be that's going to be fun. Uh, not just because uh, of the five star reviews for. Uh, this, can, this, I, can, I, can I confess something to you? Uh, okay. I am looking more forward to the people who hate this. <laughs> Their feedback from the people who like it. Because, as I've mentioned before, I have a morbid mind and a warped sense of humor. I've, I, I've, I already have a hater on my Facebook page, and I don't even have to egg him on. The people who follow it do it for me. Oh. And I just find it entertaining, entertaining, entertaining. Out of curiosity, what's, what's, this, guy's, what's this guy's beef? He is a Christian who stumbled upon my page and just immediately went off on a rampage. 
Mm. How dare you? How dare you go against God? You're going to hell, you fucking idiot. Like, just swearing up a storm, saying all sorts of nasty things, you know. Typical Christian love. <laughs> um, you know, I, the the thing about this book that that that, that grabs me the most, and and, and th- this is serious. The thing that grabs me the most is that it. I don't know. The, the the thing that we always hear is that you're taking that out of context, right? That context is the shield behind which every Christian Bible reader hides. Um, yeah. This one takes that context and just highlights it. What do you mean I'm taking this out of context? Did you not just read those words, right? Uh, it, it, it's almost the kind. It, it's it's almost like uh, uh, taking that context argument and highlighting it. You're saying I'm taking this out of context, but this is the context of the words. Look at the, and that's what I think is so genius. That's what I think is so amazing about this book is because it, it reading this version of the Bible, I think really helps you attack that context argument. Uh, just simple things uh, that in, in the Bible, as you read it, when you're like, oh yeah, that is the context, right there. That's, that's what the context is. You can't make this better by saying that, well, I guess at some time this was, it was okay to eat people. I, I really find this book, uh, the, the parts that I've read, to be a direct front to that context argument. And that's what makes Didn't it I so important. Yes, you did. <laughs> that was a bitch to rewrite. Well, and, and that's, that's what I'm talking I mean, I remember we talked, we talked after the last show, and you're like, Leviticus. But there's no story in Leviticus. It's all. There is. It's just small. Well, the, but I think that your concern was that the that, and I agree. Now that I see more of it, that your style truly shines in the storytelling parts of the Bible, and I agree. You really do shine when there's a story to be told. But the parts of the Bible that often get dismissed as context are things like Leviticus and. What you've been able to do is say, and did you see that context? That's not good. It doesn't matter. That's just bad. Um, uh, there was a, there was a, there were a few parts where the Lord is laying out the rules, and you, and every once in a while you just say, eh, and if they doesn't like it, the God doesn't give a crap. That's what God said. Yeah. <laughs> That always made me chuckle. And if you don't like it, eh, shove it. I don't care. That's your problem. <laughs> that, but that's that is the context of those passages. That that is what God is saying in the Bible, and what you've been able to do in I don't know. Maybe it's dry. I don't know. I find it hilarious is to be able to draw a circle around those parts that so many people 
hide behind this context shield. This book brings that out and says, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what context it is. This is the context. It's bad. It doesn't get better. No, and it certainly doesn't. So the book is available for pre-order. It's going to be on shelves May 1st. Listen, uh, if you're if you're listening to this show and you have read the Bible before, okay, and if you're an atheist, you probably have, all right, you may want to take another look at this one because we've all tried to read the Bible and then at some point along the way just had to stop, just had to put it down because the original is poorly written. It doesn't tell a good story. It you, you fall asleep and start snoring after a couple of chapters. I get it. This one keeps you around. This one, it, it, this one will keep you entertained and keep you wanting more. Even in Leviticus, I'm telling you. So that's that is a true accomplishment, Craig. It truly is, and um, I can't wait to get a a physical copy of this bad. Actually, I'm probably going to get the uh, the ebook copy because that's more the way I roll. But that's not the point. Uh, I, I can't wait to get my my hands on the whole version because this is th- this is the rewrite that the Bible truly deserves. Much appreciated. Thank you. So what's next? You going to take on the Koran? You want the honest truth? Already started. (laughs) And the Book of Mormon. You really are a glutton for punishment. (laughs) I'll probably be executed before I'm 55. I don't think that the I, it doesn't seem like the Koran has gone through the number of iterations that the uh, the Bible has, right? Just talking. No, about, and it shows. Right, right. So, uh, well, and you would have thought that in all the iterations of the Bible that we would have found a version that was, you know, decent uh, before now, but <laughs> not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. <laughs> so um, if you're if you're starting on the Quran, uh, it, it's my understanding. I've never read the Quran, never read it, don't know anything about it, except that I'm pretty sure that it that it's just the orders of Muhammad sayings from longest to shortest. Is that right? Let me put it to you this way: the editing. My publisher may not even allow it just due to the editing because it's not written in English. It's written in Arabic, translated in English. And when they did that, just parentheses everywhere. The grammar is atrocious. It doesn't make any sense. And because I want to keep it as true to its original context, it's going to be a nightmare to edit. I originally tried writing it in ye old English. Oh. Now, and well, I wrote the Blasphemous Bible in ye old English, and my publisher said we cannot edit this anymore. Yes, this this 
you, we talked about this in the last show. You wanted to try to write the Bible using the vernacular of the King James. Yes. That's just crazy talk. <laughs> so you you were going to try to rewrite the Quran in the vernacular of the yep. Now now see, I think we've established that that is crazy talk. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh yeah, uh, I I got I got to be honest with you. I I'm really glad that uh, that you made that move away. One of the things that I've always disliked about the King James was that it it it's not readable in that vernacular. Um, and when you make and when you were able to make your version into I don't know normal vernacular, right? I don't know what current vernacular, I guess. Modern English, I guess, will be the correct term. <laughs> I'll go with that. Uh, yep. uh, not all, it, it, it makes it flow a lot better. And there are times when you're when I was reading it that I would go my you know my my eyes would go back into glazing over for a couple of for a couple of uh, verses, and then there'd be a zinger right underneath it, and I'd be like, oh, wait a minute, yeah. Uh, I, I think we need to wrap it up. So tell everybody again wh uh, how to, how to find you online, how to find the book, and uh, and when it's going to be available again. The book is the Blasphemous Bible, being published by Eight House Publishing. You can pre-order directly from my publisher's site. I believe I will send you the link to post to your to post to this show. You can also find my Facebook page. Just pretty much go to Facebook and type in The Blasphemous Bible. I'll turn up. And you'll get to see all...